Matthew chapter 13 is where we're at. You'll find this parable in all of the synoptic gospels, but we're going to be working from, uh, from Matthew's gospel uh, this morning. So if you've got it open in front of you, you might like to follow along. Uh, we're going to be uh, splitting, a, there's a bit of a section, two sections, we're going to hear the parable as well as Jesus' explanation of the parable. So two sections, it's uh, Matthew 13, 1 through to 9, and then verses 18 through to, 18 through to 23. So uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9 and 18 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then down to verse 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, choke the word making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred. 60 or 30 times what was sown. Friends, let's pray. Uh, loving Lord, we pray that you might speak to us afresh through this piece of Scripture. We pray that these words of Jesus might indeed take root within us. We pray that they might, it might indeed produce a crop 100, 60, 30 times what was sown within us. May my words be your words. May I decrease and you increase, Lord, in all that is said and in all that is heard this morning. In Jesus' name, the people said. I spent a little bit of time in the country. I'm not really a country boy. I'm a bit of a fake country boy. But when we were first married, Carly and I did spend a few years living out at Wellington uh, near Dubbo. A real country, real country people earning their living off the land. We got to know a number of the farmers out there, got to know some of their ways. Uh, hard times, difficult times taking, earning a living off the land. Uh, Carly was a teacher, I was working at the bank. I was very, very thankful that we had a steady, regular paycheck coming. Because farming is, is a hard game. 
And the numbers that they were dealing with were, were eye-boggling, eye-watering. One piece of machinery, a big piece of farming machinery, could cost hundreds and thousands of, of dollars. And of course, some years, forces beyond your control mean that you may as well have been sitting on your backside all day rather than getting up at the crack of dawn and working your fingers to the bone because you wouldn't earn anything for that year. The fact of the matter was most farmers some years were basically living off social security. It's a hard game farming, a difficult game. And some of them were quite, were quite cynical. I heard a story about a, a farmer, a bit, of a, a bit of a godless man, a bit of a hard man uh, that didn't want to give God credit for anything at all really. But he purchased a new farm, he extended his holding and purchased a new bit, a new bit of land, a new holding of, of, of land, and it was quite run down, uh, weeds overgrown, fences falling down, but he decided he was going to make a go of it. And the local minister came along and tried to encourage him, I'm looking forward to seeing what you and God can do together with this piece of ground. He was quite cynical, but anyway, six months later, the minister came back and sure enough, the fields were lush, they were had crops in, in, sown in nice rows and the fences were all fixed up and the, the old farmhouse even had a fresh lick of paint and the minister was trying to be very encouraging. He said, isn't this wonderful? Look at what you and God have achieved together. Well, the old cynical farmer just rolled his eyes and said, yeah, but Reverend, remember what it was like when God was working it all by himself? <laughs> it can be very, very cynical. People, I think, today can be very, very... Uh, selfish in the way they look at the world and think, well, I did this. This is my doing. This is the fruits of my labor. And in fact, take credit for what God has done. And I think that's one of the little lessons here in this, in this well-known parable. Uh, parables are, of course, one of Jesus' primary ways of communicating. He loved communicating in parables. Now, a parable is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. If you want a simple way of understanding, it's an earthly story about everyday things. Jesus would take things that his hearers were familiar with, everyday things that they knew, and use them as an illustration to, to give a glimpse into heaven, to, to give just a, a, little, a little takeaway about what God was like, about how his kingdom, about how his kingdom operated. And so this was a, a tool that, that he used, and I'm sure we've all heard this story before, you, summarized with Euchre before, but I want to give you a couple of different ways of interpreting this well-known parable this morning. I want to give you a few different ways of, of looking at it and hopefully giving you something you might not have seen before and perhaps be challenged to go away and, and apply it in your, in your life this, this coming week, scattering seed. The first level, the first focus is the one I think that we're all familiar with, the one that we learn at Sunday school, whereby by God is the farmer. Here in the first a sort of understanding that I think we're all broadly familiar with is that God is this farmer. God is the man going out and scattering seed. Now, the first thing I want you to note about this farmer is his extravagance. You might not be aware of it if you're not familiar with the context, but this farmer is particularly wasteful. He's particularly extravagant. He's scattering seed far and wide. He's using a method called broadcast seeding, just scattering the seed by hand. Now, one of the things that I did learn uh, when we were living in Wellington, one of the farmers, one of our mates, had actually built for himself uh, a seeding machine. No self-respecting farmer wastes any of the seed. No self-respecting farmer would ever let the seed fall on ground 
where it was not going to grow. No farmer in any age of any culture has ever done that. So this farmer going out to scatter his seed is a unique farmer. This is, is a farmer who doesn't mind about scattering seed far and wide, knowing that some of it actually isn't going to yield a crop. This farm we knew out at Wellington uh, made an air seeder, so direct that it would actually use air pressure to drill the seed into the ground, a method called direct drilling. I was educated as a young banker. Direct drilling, very, very precise. Drill the seed exactly where you want it to go. Not this farmer in Jesus' parable. He is prodigious. He is wasteful. He is extravagant with the way that he is, is scattering seed. He is super generous super abundant. Of course, we know how this story sort of ends up. Some of the seed falls on the hard path where birds, Jesus interprets as the evil one, comes and snatches it away uh, right away. You can be sitting here in church every single week and just letting the word wash over you. It's not going to do you any good unless it penetrates your soul. I read this week that Nikita Khrushchev, the, the, uh, the premier from the old Cold War Soviet era USSR, had actually read the entire New Testament, but it didn't change him at all. It, it's no good simply hearing the word. You've got to allow it to penetrate you. And let's quickly affirm that Satan can't take anything from you that you're not already holding on to. Amen? He doesn't have any power over you if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ... Uh, Satan, does, you need nothing, you need not fear him at all. In fact, it's the other way around. There is tremendous power in the name of Christ. The enemy can only come and snatch that from you which you are not holding on to. So you do have an obligation to hang on to it, to own the word that is sown. Uh, if you resist the devil, we are told that he will flee. Um, it's certainly been the case in my life. A little bit of resistance proves the enemy to be a coward. He will indeed flee with the slightest little bit of resistance. Some of the, uh, some of the seed uh, bounces off and is plucked up by the enemy. Some of the seed, we know, falls on the, on the rocky ground and it takes root and springs up. Some of you, if you've been to churches long enough, you'll know these people. They, a convert is often, quite often the most zealous for God, but they don't last because they haven't sent their roots deep down in, into God so that they fall away. Their, their zeal wears off because their, their roots don't go down deep enough and provide them with a steadfastness. This is why I thought it was important to start the year with a, a preaching series in Genesis because I wanted you to give you a, a firm foundation upon which to build your life, a, a clear foundation, an understanding, a, a, a scaffolding upon which to build your, your life, your belief system. Uh, I read a story about a man this week who ran hot and cold for God. He'd, he'd come to faith, he'd, he'd accept the altar call and, and come walk the aisle and accept faith. But sure enough, when the heat came on, he'd fall away and wouldn't darken the doors of a church for months or years at a time. This happened over and over and over uh, again. And one year, about the 10th time, uh, when the preacher said, anyone that wants to come forward and be filled with the Holy Spirit... Come forward and be filled today. Well, again, he started to walk the aisle, but up the back, a little old lady said, Don't fill him, Lord. He leaks. <laughs> I think it's a little bit unfair because I think we all leak to some extent, don't we? If we're honest, I know I do. 
We all leak to some extent, which is why, of course, it's so important uh, to keep fellowshipping together, to keep being filled, to keep, to keep making sure that we are, that we are being filled with, with, with God, fellowshipping together and, and encouraging each other a, a, along the journey. Um, others, of course, um, they hear the word, it takes root in them, and they actually send their roots deep down. But the trouble is, of course, all the worldly concerns of life choke out their faith. This is huge today. This is massive, isn't it? This is the story of, of God's church today, I think. Um, the scholars are even telling us about the rise of another generation called the duns with church. You know how we hear the, the people that are the, the, the nuns on census night? They're no religion, they're nuns. There's another group of people now that are calling themselves the duns. They are done with church. They actually might have been really committed to church at one point, but they are simply done with church, all of the stuff of life comes in and, and crowds them out. This is, this is massive today with all the stuff that we've got going on in life. People are so busy. We're all so busy, aren't we? I read a thing again this week that a generation ago, you could actually raise a family on one income. Good luck doing that in Sydney today, hey, on one income. Both parents need to work. My mother, I was fortunate enough, she didn't have to... Uh, to, to work, dad worked, and, but now both parents need to be working to, to pay the bills and it just makes for busy families and makes for exhausted people and we've all got our many different interests and activities of course and they're all good stuff, it's all good stuff but if we allow it to choke our faith, to, to come in and impinge on our commitment to Christ then the result will surely of course um, be the same and that is not much of a harvest at all. And of course, the fourth soil, we all know where this is going. We all know that we like to identify ourselves with the good soil. Some seed fell on the good soil, and, and we say, that's us, we're the goodies. You're like associating yourself with the good people in the parables, and it produces a harvest. The danger here, of course, for we churchgoers is that we can be a little bit smug at this point. I think, well, that's me, and not think much more about it. I'm, I'm the good soil. But the trouble with that is, is that, well... Can you really take credit for being planted in good soil? Isn't that, isn't that God's doing? Isn't, that, isn't it to, the, to God's glory and his credit for planting you where you are in your family, in this land, in, in this time? Think about all the stuff you have at your disposal. Think about your lifestyle compared to that of your grandparents. I don't care what generation you're from. You're doing much better than your grandparents, aren't you? Much better. We have been planted in good soil here in Australia in 2022. But on another level, I actually think it's quite hard soil here in, in 2022. I'll, I'll get to that in, in just a second. So that's the, that's the level that we're sort of all familiar with. God is the sower, and we're challenged to be, to be the good soil. But I want to shift focus a little bit. I want, to, I want you to, secondly, interpret this through the lens of yourself being all of the farmer's land. Your life, you are the entirety of the land upon which all that scattered seed, seed fell. I think when we look at the parable in this way, some of our smugness rubs off pretty quick because we see that some of some parts of our lives are actually pretty hard. Some parts of our lives are actually pretty resistant 
to the gospel, to the good news. On some areas, in some ways, we're actually quite, quite, we're quite receptive to the good news of Jesus. But in other ways, we're actually quite hard. We're actually quite rocky or we're, we're quite weedy. In this parable, the seed goes out and scatters far and wide. It covers all of our, covers all of our lives, but not every part of our life is particularly fruitful. Does that interpretation challenge you a little bit? What does it draw your attention to? Which part of, of your life isn't really bearing fruit like it should? For some people, it might be their wallet. For some people, it's my money is, is, off, is off limits for God and I, the way that I spend my money uh, or the money that God gives me really is little different from the people out in the world. For you, it might be your, your bank book, your credit card, the way you spend your money. For other people, it's their relationships, isn't it? Now, my relationships are, are off limits to God. I, I'll come to church and do all these other things, but my relationships, well that's, well, that's my business. Your weekly schedule, your career, perhaps. Now, that's my thing that I've got going on. Your, your, your interests on a, on, a, on a Saturday, on a Sunday. Uh, we had uh, people down where we used to live and uh, fishing, deep sea offshore fishing was a, was a big thing. These guys would be out all weekend pulling in massive tuna. But that was what they did with every spare moment of their lives. They seemed to think that their weekend, that was their own time. I'm just doing my, my own thing. So let me simply ask you, where are the rocky parts of your life? Where are the weedy parts? Where does the seed just simply bounce off and, and have no effect? A final little lens that I want to ask you to sort of look through this parable afresh from is to maybe see yourself as the farmer. Put yourself in the role of this farmer. The first thing that I want you to see from verse 3 is that this farmer went out. This farmer made a decision to go. We are called to go. This farmer went out. Seed doesn't sow itself. You've got to make time to go out and scatter the seed. You've got to make time in your schedule to go out and to sow the word with the people around you. That's the first thing to read, to take away when we see ourselves as having a bag of seed and being going out and being the, the sower. Uh, the other thing I want you to see is that I think we're all scattering seed of some description. I know, I, I think a lot of us when I hear this sort of sentiment from ministers, oh, you've all got a job to do, we're all, it's, I'm, that's not me, Pete. I'm not, a, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I don't have the gift of the gal, I'm a fairly shy person. Can I encourage you, if, if, you're, if you're thinking like that, to think that actually, you know what, you are actually scattering seed. Even if you're choosing to do nothing, you are in fact just scattering the seed of, of complacency, aren't you? And you're actually scattering seed in other people's lives that are carrying your burden for you. Now, I'm not saying we're all gifted evangelists, but we all, in some way or another, we all have some sphere of, of influence. And so what sort of seed, what quality of seed are you, are you scattering, both the quantity and the quality? Can I encourage you to be thinking when seeing yourself as the farmer scattering the seed, where are you getting your seed from? 
Who's your supplier? Is it the word or is it the world? Sometimes when I'm honest with myself, I think there's some weedy seed in my scattering. The weeds of the world sometimes creep into into my thinking. So ask yourself, where are you drawing on in order to give out? If you spend every spare moment on social media, that's going to impact the way that you scatter seed, the way that you interact with other people. If you spend every waking moment on Netflix, and I've got nothing against Netflix or social media, but let's make sure that we are really drawing the seed from, from God's Word. I think all of us at some point are out there scattering seed, whether we, whether we acknowledge it or not. So how is your scattering going? Have you been scattering good seed? Have you been a bit stingy? The other thing noting from this parable is that trying to sort of be a bit stingy and only sending your seed in one sort of direction doesn't square with this parable, does it? I need to confess to you, I'm the sort of person that would try, sort of tries to think strategically and, and I like to sort of think, well, I've only got so many hours in a day and I really want to make them count for you, Lord. So who are the people I can ignore? This parable challenges that sort of, of thinking. Some of you will have seen me sitting out the front, just out here on the mall. I set up a couple of chairs, one for me and an empty chair next to me, encouraging people to come down and sit down next to me because I have a sandwich board saying, free prayer. It's my little way of just scattering seed. And I think to myself, oh, it's not very strategic. This church, well, I'm having a crack, but oh, these people, I'm a full-time minister of the word, and these, these, see these people that just ignore me, it's not a very strategic way of using my time. But then you know what? Every once in a while, someone sits down, and in fact, most days, someone, one or two, or maybe more people come and sit down and, and have a chat. So I've been challenging myself to simply try to scatter the seed as much as I can, just sitting out there on the mall for the great unwashed, for the people who, some of whom, let's be honest, will be hard ground. Some of them will be rocky ground. Some of them are pretty weedy. But hopefully, by God's grace, somewhere along the line, both myself and each of us and us as a church family will be hitting some, some good soil, amen, and we'll be able to one day reap a, reap a harvest. Trying to determine where the good soil is is kind of above my pay grade, let's be honest. That's up to God. God does the work of germinating the seed. God does the work of, of reaping a harvest ultimately. He wants us to partner with him, to go, to go out scattering the seed, doing our best, playing our part in God's heavenly kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we confess to you, Lord, that we haven't always been particularly generous with our scattering of seed. We haven't been like this farmer in their prodigious extravagance of putting ourselves out there, of scattering the seed far and wide. We've preferred to stay indoors, we've preferred to stay home, we've preferred to be very selective about where we scatter the seed, Lord. So we repent of those times, Father, and we renew afresh to scattering seed far and wide.
Father, reveal to us those places in our own lives, in our own hearts that are resistant to your word. Show us those places where we've grown hard, where the word simply bounces off our, off our lives. Father, help us to cultivate the soil within us. Help us to be receptive, we pray, Lord. Father, we ask that you might use us this week, that you might send us out. We wish to partner with you, Lord, in growing your kingdom, in scattering seed far and wide for your glory. In Jesus' name. The people said, Amen.